Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, November the 13th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we begin year A, proper week 28, which is the 25th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Monday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the Old Testament passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. In this week of the church's calendar year, and so we find ourselves in the new book today, Judges. We'll go to Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Horosheth Hagoaim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was set, uh, leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have her their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take with you ten thousand men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them over to Mount Tabor. I will send Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. This is a word of God for us. All right, there's so many things we could say about Deborah's story. It is unique, it does stick out, and it's got a lot of peculiarities, and so we'll get there in a minute. But um, if you're familiar with the Old Testament book Judges, you know that there is a pattern uh, that uh, goes throughout the whole book. Um, Israel lives in a time of prosperity, and then they kind of wander away from worship of Yahweh. So they are challenged by an outside neighbor, and they're oppressed by them. And during the time of their oppression, they cry out to God. God gives them a judge, and the judge raises up a a defense, a, a rebellion, and they're freed. And then it goes back to the top where they live into a time of prosperity. Uh, Deborah's different. Uh, Deborah's different because um, she's a woman judge in the midst of all the other dudes that are in the book. A couple things contextually here. Uh, the story is actually told in two forms in Judges. In Judges chapter 4, Deborah's story is told in more of a prose, like a story approach. And then chapter 5, it's more of the poem approach. If you read them side by side, you might notice some distinctions about them. Um, And so I think what I hear commentators say is, it's not worth trying to harmonize them or discount them one more than the other. They do think that because of the different words that are used uh, in the lineage of the Hebrew language, that maybe chapter five is older than chapter four. So there's a good chance that the editor of Judges found two different accounts of Deborah, stitched them together so that they're in one place, much like the two creation accounts of Genesis one to two, four, and then uh, Genesis 2, 5, all the way through chapter 3. This is what happens. It happens to the call of Abraham, too, where there's several different calls of Abraham stitched side by side. A um, couple things that are a little challenging about uh, the story itself. Uh, the reference to Jabin, uh, 
who reigned in Hazor is a tad problematic to scholars because uh, this area of the world's already been conquered uh, as early as Joshua chapter 11. Uh, Joshua defeats this Canaanite coalition under Jabin. And so here we are like years later. And so uh, how can it be both defeated and still alive for uh, Deborah and her people? So there's a chance that uh, it's not Jabin, but maybe Jabin's family. Uh, the, the true um, enemy in this passage is is actually um, not Jabin, uh, but it's another character. So anyways, you just leave that to one side. And if we get back to like, if we get into the grains of the language itself, it looks like these are sea people. And so they're not people who've settled in the land, but they are people who are a little bit further away. But nevertheless, uh, Deborah finds herself in a place where she can uh, begin to steward this very tense moment in Israel's history. And it appears like Barak does, um, you know, senses this call, but maybe doesn't sense the true leading to lead the people. And so Deborah is left uh, to be the one who, who leads them. And this is strange because women aren't really highly favored and prized in this culture, particularly this early in the story. And so uh, for a woman to judge um, and to lead is a is an interesting thing. And I think there's like a paradox in this passage. On the one hand, it's like God's going to like click and drag this army uh, that uh, he wants to defeat to a proper place so that Barak and the people can go. And so on this one hand, like God's in total control, it seems like he's going to lure this army over so they can have a, a battle and ultimately be defeated. But on, on the other hand, like here's Deborah, like she's judging, you know, kind of in her own little like makeshift judging spot under the palm of Deborah. She's not officially appointed, but she's kind of learning how to help people settle disputes. And uh, they don't typically use women in this culture. And so, whereas like one part of the story is that God's going to be sovereign over this and like lead this army towards this direction so they can be defeated. It's almost like God like just needs to find who's ever available at the same time. And so um, maybe what philosophers say is that we see both the strength of God and the, and I'm putting this in quotation marks for those who might be triggered by it, but the weakness of God. And just be reminded that Paul made this philosophical um, comment in point in the New Testament. We talked about God's weakness is stronger than people's strength. And so uh, there's a sense where God, um, even though God rules over his people, he governs over the heavens and the earth, God is also set up to where he's looking for uh, co-laborers and vice regents with him who will serve with him. And so on this occasion, there's like a mold been broken and Deborah is the one who steps forward. And because of that, uh, God's people are delivered and they are set free. And I think that we could see this as a pattern today. So as we like read these ancient scriptures, we say, hey, uh, this is like help me in like a 21st century moment. And I think the proper way that uh, Christians have read the Old Testament story is to say, I wonder how, how God's doing that in our day and time. Um, because we, we definitely have like expected and predictable leadership selection patterns, right? People who are maybe more affluent, people who are properly educated, those who have bona fides, uh, if you will. And uh, there's that's certainly valuable. And particularly in our culture, that seems to be a credential culture instead of a, a charisma culture. But um, at the same time, like God, um, God will do whatever God wants to do. And so if God wants to use somebody who looks weak in the eyes of people, that person could be strong in God's sight. And we'll see this a little bit later in the story when um, Jesse is visited by Samuel the prophet, and it's a critical time in Israel's own time. And uh, here's, uh, you know, Samuel looks at the firstborn son of Jesse, who's like stocky and, you know, good looking guy. And 
He's like, oh, this has got to be God's anointed. And God whispers to him, this is not the one. And um, all your expectations are going to be blown to smithereens because God looks at the heart as in the so-called outward appearance. And so I just wonder, like, if you and I stumble into a room today, uh, and it's a room where someone needs to lead, who who we might expect um, is going to lead it, and then and might be could, could we be surprised? Can we have our our eyes open, our minds open to not just the person that we expect, but maybe the the exact opposite of who we expect might actually be the person who might be best situated for this given circumstance. Um, we see this a lot of time in sports. We see this a lot of time in community development. We see this even in uh, the, the brightest of stages uh, where the person in the background has finally observed that they have been holding all the things together and they've been escaping the limelight and they we finally acknowledge them, right? This is what happens. This is sometimes that works out in the math of how the world turns. And so it could happen even in our life. So when we go to school, when we go to work, when we go to different uh, gatherings today, May we look at every single person in the room and may we have the optimism that God had with this Deborah character that uh, maybe the person least expected is the most credible and the most available for a moment like this. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you use all people, you include us, and even though we were wandering strangers, getting further and further away from you, God, you chased us down, you showed us grace, you brought us into your family, and you've given us gifts uh, by your Holy Spirit for ministry and interests and passions to change the world. God, we confess at times we feel so inadequate. Uh, we think somebody else should be selected, not me. Look for somebody else, but we thank you that you continue to equip the called. And so we thank you that you've, you've equipped all of us uh, for a certain task, maybe today or certainly during this season. God, we also ask for your forgiveness because we have so sketched out the world with insiders and outsiders that uh, we expect certain people to only be used and for the rest to be left out. But we thank you that um, everyone's got potential in your eyes. And so as you continue to work out your own story, as you continue to call people, I pray that you give us uh, soft hearts and soft eyes to witness who you, who you might be using, uh, particularly those unsuspecting characters and people, um, strangers in our midst that uh, we've looked over and around before. May we see them in new light. May we see Christ in them. And may we give you uh, the openness to use us and to use them and to, remember, to use whoever you'd like to choose uh, for the outworking of your story. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.